again, it's in time for another episode of Your Words Against Mine, a competitive reading podcast between siblings. As always, I'm your brother co-host, Thomas Dempsey. I'm your sister co-host, Elizabeth Connor. And we are now officially into the reading season of 2023. Woohoo! Yeah. Uh, I feel like you always start off a new year with like a big like, head start. Yeah. There's an enthusiasm about it where your desire to get a bunch of books read hasn't quite worn off. Yep, that's true. Yeah, and uh, I think this, my, not to give the way give the game away just yet, but I feel like my rating over the past two weeks has sort of reflected that. Okay. Yeah, but before we talk about all that reading, obviously we've been doing up some other stuff as well. Uh, yep. How's, how's you been, Elizabeth? Been good. Um, it's been a busy two weeks uh, since starting back to work, um, but I have a little three-day weekend to uh, to recover. Oh, this weekend? To get some rest. Yeah, uh, because Monday is Martin Luther King Day. Right. Okay, that's cool. If uh, if this if I was still at work, then Monday would be a really slow day for us because all three-day weekends tend to be. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I think, obviously, I think you deserve all the rest you get. Well, thank you. Yeah. Obviously, I hadn't been all that busy. Uh, various activities and obligations aside. Yeah. Started taking down Christmas decorations. We've still got yeah, the tree. To... We've still got the tree up, but uh, apart from that, We've basically got all the stuff off the front of the house, all the garland and stockings and what have you. Okay. Yeah, I need to yeah. do that too. Yeah, the tree's always the hardest though because you just like having it up, first of all. Yeah. And, and it's also just such a pain getting all the ornaments back in their boxes and what have you. Mm-hmm. This, this year I think we might take it as an opportunity to clean out the attic somewhat. Okay. Because we've got a bunch of stuff up there, and basically there's like a perimeter of crates and boxes with hollow, with Christmas decorations that we just keep up there until they're time to bring it down. Right. And beyond all that is stuff that we just never use. Yeah. And this might be a good opportunity to take away some of that, then free up some storage space. Okay. But uh, how about y'all? Um... The first two days back at work were teacher work days, and one of those days we had, like our district has purchased this positive psychology program. Oh yeah, I know I heard about so this. So we had to do, so we had to do, like it's a it's a district mandatory training, um, so I had to do that one of those days, and like it was, it was fine. It was better than I thought it was going to be. Um, okay. My only complaint i guess is that it was um i guess my only complaint was that it was very repetitive from it was very repetitive from the training we did like at the beginning of the year not this school year but last school year yeah oh sure like we did the exact same thing at our own school so i was kind of like did i really need to take eight hours to do this again oh yeah that's rough did you get reimbursed for it no, I mean, we didn't have to pay for it. Oh. No, well, I, I guess I didn't know if there was, like, any... Apart from just it being mandatory. 
Mm, no. Okay. One of my earbuds is like not wanting to work. It's oh, very okay. frustrating. I'm sorry. It's okay. Yeah. I guess I'm just, even though I really love these earbuds, I guess I'm just going to have to give up on them. Well, you can just get it to get another pair of the same kind, I guess. Well, they don't, well, Elise said on Amazon, like, you can't get this this pair anymore. Oh. Yeah, I had the, sim the same problem with my grill last year. Yeah. Several years ago, we bought a charcoal grill that they just stopped making and making parts for, so whenever I went around looking for, like, a replacement uh, char catcher or something like that, mm -hmm. I wouldn't have them. Yeah, so... I mean, I can look, because I got them off Amazon, so I can always look back through my order history and, like, try to find a similar pair. Sure. Yeah, I'm not looking to get a new pair of earbuds. These, this pair works fine, but uh, I feel like I'm always try having to, especially when I'm out and about, having to refit them. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Let's see, you gotten up to anything special apart from work, or...? Oh, well, I mean, not really, but in, like, as part of my work duties, um, let's see here. So, the Honor Choir sang at their first, like, I guess public event. Like, we, you know, we went on a field trip. Like, we've sung for people before. We sure. had a concert. But we went to um, the feeder high school that, like, my elementary school will eventually feed into. We went to the high school to sing the national anthem at the basketball game. Okay. So we did that. Yeah. And that was, and it went well. Happy to and hear. And that, I think that's kind of been it. Well, that's fine. Yeah. I uh, went and saw a movie the other night. Uh, me and my friend Caleb. Uh, as you know, as I've talked about, we watch a lot of tokusatsu stuff on our movie nights. And the other night, there was a screening of the new Ultraman movie mm -hmm. at uh, theaters. Yeah. So we went and caught that and had a good old time. Oh, cool. Yeah, it's a, sort of a modern remake of the first season of the original Ultraman series from the 1960s. Mm -hmm. So we actually recognized a lot of the characters and plot threads from having seen the show. Okay. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it's it's not screening wide or anything like that, but it should be, I guess, coming to video on demand at some point. So it's yeah. definitely worth checking out, especially if you were a fan of, like, Shin Godzilla. Right. Yeah. It's sort of... Okay. In the, it's It's the same people who made that movie made this one. Oh, cool. Yeah. And it's sort of awesome. part of, like, a thematic franchise of, like, revi reviving old... Japanese tokusatsu shows. Okay. Yeah. So that was fun. Yeah. If you got nothing else to bring on to the, bring up, uh, I guess we can get into what we've been reading. Yeah. Okay. All right. So you want to lead us off? Sure. So um, I've read eleven books. Nice. Been off, gotten off to a good start. Um, oh sure. Now five of them are from the same series. Okay. And well, I'll get into that when I when I talk about that series. So, um, let's see here. Let me pull up a good read so I can see what I've read. All right. So the very first book, my very first book that I read this year, is a book called Monster Match. 
Oh. By Isabel Jordan. And it is a modern retail. It's basically a modern retelling. Not really a retelling, but it's a modernized version of like Frankenstein. Yeah. So, oh God, what's his, is his name? Victor? I think it's Victor. So, in the book, so the book takes place in like the modern, like modern times. Sure. And uh, the main female is is Lucy, and she in the book opens. She is at a speed dating event for humans and monsters because uh, monsters are a part, like have come out into the public, and you know are are very wealthy and and want female or want human wives because there's not a lot of female monsters. Oh. Okay. So, so she's at a speed dating event, and but she's like. She kind of decided to go, like, spur of the moment, and now that she's there, she doesn't really want to be there. Right. Because, like, she just like she just lost her job, and her boyfriend, who was kind of, like, tra- a piece of trash anyway, kicked, like, yeah. broke up with her and kicked her out of the apartment. Okay. Because he was cheating on her. And, right. um, so anyway, she goes, she, she's at this event, and she's kind of hiding, and she runs into, uh... And she runs into Victor, who is, for all intensive purposes, Frankenstein's monster. Sure. And um, it is. It starts out as a marriage of convenience for the two yeah. of them. Like he wants, he doesn't want to be alone. She needs a place to live. That all that good stuff. And then it turns into like, and then you know they develop a real relationship. Okay. And so. I don't know. It was just, it was just really good. And I don't know if it was really good because it was the first book I read or if it was really good because it was really good. All right. Like, I liked the world building. I liked going, I liked how they went into Victor's past. I liked Lucy's character. I felt like you were going to ask a question. No, I guess I was going to ask if it was a part of a series or if it was just a standalone. I don't think so. I think because I was like, oh man, like if this is a series, I'm totally going to go for book two, but I think it's a standalone. Because right, that sounds like a multi-book premise, you know, people hooking yeah. up with monsters and you do like a new monster every book or what have you. Right. Yeah. No, it totally yeah. does. Like, you know, one book will be about a vampire and then a mummy or I don't know, the Wolfman or something. I don't know. But yeah, it, right, right now it seems like it's just a standalone book. Okay. Should I keep going? Oh, uh, yeah. Okay. So, the next book I read was a novella, I guess, um, oh, yeah. called The New Year's Party by Daniel Hurst. And okay. it is about, and it's this, uh, it takes place in England. And the this older, like, working class uh, couple, they buy tickets to go to a New Year's Eve party at, like, this beautiful hotel that is pretty expensive. Like they had to spend like 300 pounds per ticket to be sure. able to go. Um, and they're sitting at the table with like two other couples. And one of the couples is like a little bit younger than they are. Because when yeah. I say they're older, I mean like they're in their fifties. Right. And the couple that's a little bit younger than they are, they're like, they're in their 40, you know, mid to or late for like mid to late forties. And uh, anyway, the couple issues the table a proposition. Uh-oh. Is it a swingers it's thing? Kind of. It's kind of a swingers thing, but like with a twist. Okay. Or a twist ends up happening. And I don't know, like, 
the book it, there's like two or three there's like two or three twists that happen oh. at, by, it, by the end of the story a lot's going on in like the 80 something pages that this thing is oh sure um, but that was really good so I guess yeah so that was the New Year's Party by Daniel Hurst um, that fun and, I read uh, I can, oh go ahead I, I was going to say um, I could talk about a couple books now before uh, yeah yeah go ahead get, oh wait okay yeah so, uh, first book I read of the year, I usually like to try and find something I can read all in one day for the first day of New Year's, and then make that like my big kickoff. And this year I read The Story of Hong Gildon, uh, translated by Min Su Kang from the Penguin Classics Collection. The Story of Hong Gildong is a 19th century fable from Korea. Mm-hmm. And uh, it it was, like, long rumored to be from, like, the 1700s or thereabouts or, like, some ancient story. But as far as, like, any historical record can trace it back, it originated from the mid-1800s and was sort of, like, part of a cycle of folk hero stories that were in vogue around that time. Mm-hmm. And basically, it's uh, Korean Robin Hood but if he had magical powers. Okay. So Hong Gildong was like the uh, illegitimate child of a governor and his mistress, and he lives at the household of the governor, but he's not treated as the heir or a rightful son to the guys. So there's this whole thing about recognizing lineage and familiar, uh, familial bonds with mm-hmm. this guy. So after a time, like... The dishonor of having a illegitimate child in the household becomes such that one of the guy's other consorts arranges to have him assassinated. Mm. But obviously this guy has like magic powers and stuff and he's the hero of the story. So he triumphs over the attempt and then just resolves to leave the house and go travel the world. And in Mm -hmm. the course of doing so, he becomes a bandit king. Okay. And... Uh, as a bandit king, he amasses an army and starts robbing basically corrupt government officials, like in the name of the emperor and whatnot. And but of course, the emperor hasn't like declared him such, so he's an enemy of the state as well. And the whole series is just sort of like the arc of this guy rising to power and uh, gaining honor in society. And it's only a hundred page. Well, it's barely a hundred pages because there's that's including like like historical context. You know, these penguin editions usually give you a lot of stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Right. So, uh, but I was able to read it all in one day, and I really okay. liked it. Yeah, it's a fun little volume to check out. Awesome. Yep. And the book, actually, uh, I should say that I read six books. In the last two weeks, look at I can you. only talk. Yeah, I can only talk about four of them. Oh, okay. Yeah, so we'll you'll get to hear more about the two of them on our next episode. Uh, so that was the. But anyway, uh, Gong Hil, Hong Gil Dong was the first book I read. The second book after that was a collection of short stories by author Nana uh, Quetti called uh, "Walking on Cowrie Shells." It's. Mm-hmm. A short story collection about uh, very the various lives and 
goings-ons of um, uh, African-American women, specifically women of uh, Cameroon descent or um, origin. Mm-hmm. And uh, you've got some, like, fairly grounded stories. Like, there's this one of a girl with Cameroonian parents who's who are, like, pushing her to be, like, to excel, to be a lawyer or an engineer or something like that. And she just wants to be an author or, yeah, an author. And she's in love with this Korean graphic novelist. And the story takes place over the course of a day at a anime convention. Mm. And then there's, like, another story about a woman trying to get pregnant and coming out to her Cameroonian mother with the news that her child, like, might have like some congenital birth defect or something and mm-hmm. it's told from the perspective of both the mother and the daughter okay and you get a lot of like like rich detail about the community that the characters live in so it's all it's very well like realized but then okay. amongst all these like more grounded uh slice life stories you'll mm-hmm. get uh like high concept stuff like there's the story of a young woman who is a mermaid like falling in love with and marrying a mortal man and then mm-hmm. moving off to Louisiana to live with his family and just the arc of their lives together. And mm-hmm. then there's a story about a a PR spin man who is conscripted by an African government or like a South African government to handle a zombie outbreak. Yeah. And it like goes into some like really interesting like cultural political uh, commentary there so it's just a very diverse set of stories and they're all very well written so i think that i'd uh i I think you'd actually probably really enjoy it too okay and what was that called again it's called walking on cowrie shells by nana quitty and uh i got a i could mention a couple others but if you wanted to get a few more out there okay uh the next book i read was the first book in the Sombra Demon series by Sarah Spade. And it's called Married, or no, not Married. It's called Mated to the Monster. Right. Um, And it's about, can't remember her name. Um, Can't remember his name either, which is fine. So anyway, the, the female main character, she purchases a like spell book from a friend of hers who owns a used bookstore. Okay. And in and so she's flipping through it and in the book one of the in like in the in the book on one of the pages there is like a notation that says uh like this spell brings or like brings like this spell brings true love. So she follows the directions as best she can because it's not written in English. So she's just kind of flying by the seat of her pants. So right. she like draws all the stuff she's supposed to draw and she says the words to the best of her ability. And next thing she knows, there's a demon in her bedroom. Uh Oh, and, um, and so what it is, what the spell does is it brings you your like faded mate, I guess. Okay. And, um, so hers happens to be this demon, this, this demon from the land of Sombra. Uh, and, sure. um, yeah. So 
Anyway, there's this whole thing about... Because, like, they can't understand each other because, like, he can't speak English. She can't speak Sombrin. She... In trying, she thinks she's like banishing him back to where he came from. But what she actually does is she like verbally gives the promise to like be a good mate to him, and she ends up touching him, which uh, allows him to be able to speak English. But she has to voluntarily let him touch her in order for, like in order for her to be able to speak and read his language. So then when she eventually does that, that's when she realizes there's no spell that can like make him go back to where he uh, came from. So right. then their relationship progresses, but it's this whole thing about how she's like, she's not sure if she's ready for that level of commitment. And he's like, not trying to push her or anything. However, the like King of his domain has made it illegal for humans to know about their kind unless you are mated. And so they're kind of working on a deadline. Right. And, um, anyway, like it was fine. Like it was a perfectly fine book. Um, is that the first in a series? It is the first in a series. Yeah. Do you think you'll be sticking with it? I kind of doubt it. Okay. I mean, it would, like I said, it was fine, but it wasn't like, I didn't super fall in love with, premise or the characters or anything like that so yeah that's cool it's probably a one and done sure um and then another speaking of one and done uh i read the first book in the eladian mate series by Paige michaels and it's called his little emerald and this was so cringy and it was so awkward and i am not reading anything else okay like absolutely not sure and I even read what the book was about. And I knew, when I read what the book was about, I knew it was about a subject that made me uncomfortable. And I chose to read it anyway. And I'm like, yeah, no, I haven't changed my mind. Uh, this still makes me uncomfortable. All right. Well, and that's all I'm willing to say about it. Yeah. That's fine. Okay. All right. Well, I think now would be a good time to take a break. And when we get back, we'll finish talking about what all we've been reading. Sounds good. And welcome back to Your Words Against Mine, a competitive reading podcast between siblings. Um, Before the break, I finished up talking about a series, the first book in a series that I started reading and will never return to because I was uncomfortable. Um, So so, uh, you've gotten through four of your reads so far. Yeah. uh, Then I'd gotten through two. So uh, I'll talk about uh, two other books that I've been reading. Okay. All right. These both are pretty short. Uh, one, I think, is t- more qualified qualified as a novel, and the other one is pretty clearly a novella. Mm-hmm. Um, the novel was by a Japanese author Kobo Abe. It's called uh, Kangaroo Notebook, and it's basically an absurdist novel about a guy on his deathbed uh, suffering from leg radishes. I'm sorry, leg radishes? Yeah, so the concept is this guy uh, who goes unnamed for the novel is, I guess, a product designer or at something, at some company. And the title comes from the fact that at work one day he pitches his company on a thing called a kangaroo notebook. And he doesn't really have a clear idea of what it would be, only that there might be a pocket involved. Mm-hmm. So they basically get him to, like, c- 
come pitch an idea like within a week or something so he's sort of stressed about that and then in the midst of all this uh, one morning he wakes up to find radishes growing out of his legs like little sprouts okay and so he goes to a dermatologist to get it looked at and after much like bureaucratic hemming and hawing he gets in an operating room and he's put under uh, for seemingly like like an indeterminate amount of time and at some point the doctor he wakes back up and the doctor's standing over him on the hospital gurney and is like okay uh well the best we can figure to do for these leg radishes is to send you to a hot spring where you can like soak them in sulfur water and hopefully that'll kill them so they uh take the guy's gurney and they push it out into the street and they wish him luck and then his gurney just sort of rides around for a while until it gets picked up by the cops who tow it to a, a mine shaft mm-hmm. where it then proceeds to ride on like a minecart trail down into the depth of the earth and the guy makes a stop at a shopping mall and then he arrives on a river in the underworld where there's a hot spring for tourists and things just sort of get weirder from there so okay so this book was published in 1993 it was the last thing kobo abe ever wrote he'd been like an author throughout the like 20th century he has had like several of his works adapted into film the most famous of which is probably this movie called the woman in the dunes which Uh is about a guy like getting married to a woman who lives at the bottom of a sand pit and sort of like resigning himself to living there with her okay but this clearly this book is influenced by like i guess the author's own like impending mortality because like i said it was published the same year that he died right so you can look at this guy this character dealing with an unfathomable and seemingly uh inscrutable illness and then having to travel around along all these like weird and like random currents to try and find some solution to it okay and yeah, it's it's very evocative, I guess, especially like in hindsight, because I don't think I knew that Kobo Abe had this was like the last thing he ever wrote prior to reading it. Yeah. And it was only like on the postscript about him that I learned all that, so that really lent it a new dimension. Okay. Yeah. So I I, uh, I enjoyed reading it, like the act of reading it, and I appreciated it a lot more once I'd finished it. Okay. But uh, the fourth book I read is a science fiction novella from the series The War With No Name by Robert Rapino called Cul-de-Sac. It is a sort of mid, it is a midquel. You know what a midquel is? No. It's like a story that takes place within the time frame of another story. Oh, okay. So it doesn't take place afterwards. It takes place in the midst of. Okay. So, Previously, Robert Rapino had written a book called Mort, M-O-R-T uh, apostrophe E, not apostrophe, um, brackets, mm-hmm. or parentheses, yeah. 
So, and the concept of that book was that ants have taken over the world, they are at war with humans, and part of the war, part of the plan for their war against humans is to imbue all animals with sentience and morph them into, like, anthropomorphic beings mm-hmm. so that they can fight alongside them. Okay. And so uh, the main character of that book, Mort, is a house cat who is transformed into, like, an anthropomorphic house cat who then joins a battalion of other anthropomorphized animals in the ants' war against humanity. And over the course of that book, Mort falls out from his troop and aligns himself with the humans and helps overthrow the ants. Uh, not necessarily ending the war because there's two more novels in the series that will get in more into that, but, but at least like accomplishing something basically. Yeah. But uh, this book takes place what at the point when Mort is still aligned with the other animals. Okay. And the leader of his unit, which is called the Red Sphinx, is a cat is a bobcat named Coldasac. And okay. in this novel, we get a better sense of Coldasac's character. We learn about his backstory as like a cat in the wild before he was like anthropomorphized and made sentient. Yeah, it's just sort of like a war story about this this battalion moving into a town that's been taken over by other animals and is being defended from insurgent human army. Uh huh. And starting it out, it was like fairly interesting. Like from an adventure novel perspective, because Coldasac is pursuing a human through the forest, and it's like a manhunt sort of story, and then he gets back to the town and is sort of like having to work around with the village animals and his own like troop and whatnot. And but then like as the story goes on, like little points of intrigue start to prop up, mm-hmm. and by the end you realize that uh, the author Robert Rapino has been doing some pretty interesting like like foreshadowing throughout the book mm-hmm. so that by the time you get to the end and you have certain facts brought to life you realize that what you've been reading is almost like a mystery story oh okay there, there are certain questions that go unanswered through the book that you don't realize you're supposed to care about until you learn the answers to them mm-hmm. and then it sort of like recontextualizes a lot of what you've read so far okay yeah so i really enjoyed it uh, in that respect, and it got me more interested in finishing the rest of the series. Yeah. So there was like Mort, and then this book uh, being a companion piece to that, and then there's two more novels uh, after afterwards that I'm going to start getting into, and hopefully we'll be able to talk more about in the next episode. Okay. Yeah, but that's uh, basically everything I can talk about so far. Okay. Um. So technically I've got... Uh seven more books to talk about but five of them are all part of the same series so that it'll go by quick okay um so i read book number five in the seven brides for seven alien brothers series okay that i was reading before the new year um or you know end of last year and uh so the fifth book is about in dark who is um you know and so quick recap there is a there is a, uh, the setting is this planet, which because of the founder, the founder thought things would be better if like it was all done in like basically 
the Wild West type yeah, time yeah. period. So anyway, um, this book is about the character in Dark, who is part of the the alien group who lives on the ranch. Yeah, and um, he is half human, half Voltor. I think that's I think that's the, the species. And basically, he's kind of like a werewolf. Oh, okay. Because the Voltori are basically like wolf type people. Sure. Um, so he and so part of being a Voltori is you. There is this uh, biological demand for the males to have a mate to help them like process their emotions um, and to help basically like keep them calm. Okay. So Endark finds his uh, mate. Like he actually like finds the girl who's supposed to be his mate. Um, not just some girl that he likes and thinks is pretty. And right. her name is Becky. Um, Becky and her brother are orphans. And uh, right. Becky works as a seamstress. So they are currently living in the house of her uh, patron. Okay. Um, and, and they don't really care for her. Like, the, the patron's, like, not a very nice person. So, right. anyway, like, after they kind of get over, you know, the shock of, like, him, of, like, Endark kidnapping Becky and then having to go out and find her brother, like, because he's trapped in an avalanche. Right. Um, the, once they kind of, like, realize that things are going to be okay, like, things are okay. Um, and this is, a, this one in particular is just a lot... This one focuses more on, like, the emotional development of the male character, right. which is not as common in romance novels, so I really like that this is, uh, that this was featured. And this just, this book was just released, like, earlier this month, so I'm gonna have to wait till, like, February or March for book six to come out. Oh, okay. And then the next five books I read were all part of the Dark Elves of Protheca series. There's like 15 books in this series. Okay. At least. Um, and yeah. it, they're written by Celeste King. And it's all very like Turling-esque. Or Tierling. Oh yeah. I remember that one. So basically like where they are. Or Protheca. Um, so on the. Like where they are which is called Protheca. Uh, humans arrived through the rift like they just showed up on Protheca one day and yeah. um so humans have been sequestered to like the slave class um okay. humans are slaves in like the elf households um they are horribly mistreated uh, a lot of them are forced into like sex work um Oof. and it's like and here's the thing I'm going to keep reading this series because this series, because the books in this series are basically like potato chips. Oh, okay. Like the first one's really, really good. And then you keep, you just keep eating them like just because. Sure. Um, the first book in the series, which is Mated to the Dark Elf, is about, oh God, what's her name? I remember. Okay. Anyway, it's about the Archduke of like the dark elves and yeah. he is basically he has he was a very emotional child which influenced his magic so yeah. he was placed under a spell so that he that suppressed his emotions so like he's kind of like a human robot or uh -huh. like an elf robot like he just he doesn't 
he doesn't feel things um, like other people do. Like, he's perfectly happy to, like, just, like, sit at home and, like, take care of business for his brother because his brother's the king. Okay. And anyway, his cousin convinces him to come out to this sex club where wow. there is an auction going on for a virgin. And oh, okay. uh, so so guess who is the the one up for auction? It's right. his love interest. And uh, of course, like he they, like they make eye contact and like for the first time since he was a child, like he has feelings. Um, so he ends up purchasing her and taking her to the castle where he lives and um he's actually like very gentlemanly he's you know waits for consent he doesn't like try to like force her to do anything like yeah it's not it's not sketchy like when it comes to their relationship it's just the things that are happening like within the society are really disturbing yeah um and then basically the two of them forge the pathway for the rest of the books now i will say um the rest of the books don't necessarily happen consecutively, and huh. they don't happen with characters you've already met. Okay. So you're having these dark elf human relationships taking place all throughout the kingdom, or even throughout different kingdoms in the land of Protheca. Um, and then, like, there might be a mention of, oh, hey, the Archduke is actually married to a human. Now we don't have to hide our relationship. Okay. That's so it's yeah, so it is it is really interesting and now the first book does a really really great job of like laying the groundwork of this is what this world is like. It is very very cruel, it is very unforgiving especially for humans. Right. But as you keep going through the series, the writing gets sloppy. Uh-oh. So you know, I know I've mentioned on here about my uh, pet peeve about inconsistent details. Yes. Yeah, that is very much a problem. Like, uh, it will be very well established that the female character has brown eyes. And then for some reason, two-thirds of the way through the book, she's being described as having brilliant blue eyes. But then two pages later, she's back to having brown eyes. Okay. It's stuff like that that drives me crazy. And I'm like, this is lazy. Yeah. Like keep your keep your details consistent. And these books are not long. These books are all these books have been less than 200 pages. Right. So, I mean, well, I'm and maybe I shouldn't maybe I shouldn't pass judgment because I'm not an author. I've never written and published anything, but like this is a like this is a problem like that I have seen in all the romance series that I've read. Sure. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I guess when you're a professional writer or writing for a uh, like a major publication, you've got editors and stuff like that who can keep track of those sorts of elements for you. Yeah. Or at least help with it. So I imagine it'd be like, well, not excusable necessarily. A lot harder for somebody to keep track of all that stuff by themselves, especially if they're releasing these different books over uh, a long, long period of time. Well, and I feel like, because a lot of the books I read are self-published books that are published through Amazon and then uploaded to, like, Kindle Unlimited. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, I, I can understand that, like, you have to self-edit or you have to bring in, like, your own editors who might not be up to the standards that, like, are required at a professional uh, house. But I also have noticed that with 
whenever you self-publish on Amazon, the turnaround for new books is extremely fast. Okay. I mean, you've got authors on there who are publishing a new book every two or three months. Right. And that is under the assumption that they start writing a new book after they've published the one before it. And I'm sure that's not actually what's happening. I'm sure they're probably like four or five books ahead of whatever their publishing schedule is. Sure. But like, you've got to think like they're turning these books around so quickly. And like, I get it. Like that's their, like that's, that's how this is their livelihood. This is how they're making their money, but they're doing it so fast that I wonder if because they're just trying to get the books out that they're not taking the time to like make sure that everything is lined up and everything is consistent. Yeah. I could see that. This is not the first time I've talked about it. I doubt it'll be the last time. Okay. But I am still going to stick with the series because, like I said, it's like potato chips. Sure. Yeah. And then the last book I've read uh, is called My Big Alien Boss by Loki Renard. Um, Okay. And it is about a group of aliens who come to earth to try to usher earth into the intergalactic society. Um, so they've come to like provide technologies to help, like to help earth stop ruining their planet. And so that they can also become part of the, you know, interstellar, not union. I don't know, like world life, you know, how like alien, you know, how aliens, like they co-mingle on different ports and stuff. Well, these these aliens have come to Earth to help humans get to that point. Um, okay. And they're called and they're called the Cupid. Yep. And whenever an, a human meets one of the Cupid, like they're just inundated with these feelings of like positivity and happiness and joy and stuff like that. Sure. Um. So the the girl, her name is Jessica. She is out. Of, she had just gotten out of a really really bad abusive relationship. And she is homeless and needs a job, like, super fast. So she lies on her resume to be a Cupid human liaison. And she goes up to their space station for her interview. Well, the person who is going to be her boss, his name is Sir, C-I-R. Right. Um, he, He knows she's lying about, like, everything on her resume. And he's intrigued by her, so he ends up hiring her. And they end up entering into a relationship and basically she doesn't admit that she's lying about who and what she is until the end of the book. And by the end of the book, he's just like, look, I knew you were lying this whole time. Like, I was just waiting for you to tell me. Okay. And um, this is a series of like, it's not a series, but it's like a grouping of like standalone science fiction romance novels. Yeah. So... I don't know if I'll continue reading it or not, but all, all right, right. So that's what I read. Sounds good. All right. Well, uh, you want to talk word totals? Do you want to talk word totals or do you want to talk bingo card? Uh, I thought we could lead with the word totals and then we'll okay. do bingo. All right. So um, do you want to go first? Or you want me to go first? I can go first. I've got my numbers okay. all here. All right. Go ahead. Right. So like I said, I read six books, uh, totaled all the words from each of them. For a grand total of 372,497 words, uh, which puts me about two weeks ahead of where I was at the same point uh, our first year of the podcast and about one week ahead of where we were last year. 
and as far as my all-time word total uh, is concerned, I am about uh, 8% uh, towards that goal. All right. So um, my word total for today, after 11 books, is 423,714 books. That actually puts me about, I would say, probably two weeks behind where I was last year at this time. Okay. Um, since I'm comparing, since my uh, my own words against me is coming from 2021, um, I'm currently sitting at 4.2% of my word total from 2021, from two years ago. Okay. And also, like, again, that includes the books that I didn't get to talk about this week, but that I'll be able to next week. Right. Right. So, uh, yeah, that's um, where we're standing on all of that. And like Elizabeth said, we've got a bingo element to the game this year. We have each our own customized bingo card that we're going to be working towards filling up. And what I figured was, starting this week, we'll have like 25 episodes uh, for the rest of the year. Yeah. So if we wanted to just submit like one book uh, or one category for each episode... Okay. As as we go along? Yeah. Alrighty. So, uh, All right. yeah, you want to tell us what uh, category you're uh, filling out today? Yeah, so today I'm I'm going to fill out the romance one. Okay, dokie. Because I could, well, mo- the majority of what I read this week goes into that. Uh, but I guess if I have to submit one book, I would like to submit the Monster Match book. Okie doke. And uh, I'll be uh, filling out the short story collection for uh, Walking on Cowrie Shells. I feel a little bad knocking it out for right up top because uh, I know short story is a kind of book I want to read more of this year. So uh, I'd like to hold myself to reading more of those down the road. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, uh, I also feel like like old books or books in translation are topics that I'd be getting around to as well. Yeah. So I don't see any problem in just getting it here. Okay. So that's uh that's our bingo for this week. We've got uh, each got one category filled out, 24 to go. And we'll be uh letting you know or letting each other know when the other one is like hitting on uh bingos as it yeah. goes along. So now all that's left to do really is get into our next reading assignment. Uh, last week you gave me uh, the first one of the year, which was to read Sleeping Giants by um, Sylvain Neville. Mm-hmm. And this week I am giving you the assi- or giving us both the assignment to check out by author Paul Tremblay, The Cabin at the End of the World. The Cabin at the End of the World, okay. Yep. Do you know about this book? I don't think so. It is the basis for the upcoming M. Night Shyamalan movie, Knock at the Cabin. And for some reason, uh, accepting maybe that they don't want people to like, be exposed to the plot before the movie comes out, Mm -hmm. in none of the advertising are they saying that this is based on a novel. Oh, interesting. Yeah, but uh, the, the trailer for the movie looks interesting, and I've heard nothing but good things about Paul Tremblay as an author, so... This is a book I've been wanting to check out, and I thought this would be a good opportunity for that. All right. All right, so uh, there you go. That's pretty much all our business taken care of. Okay. You want to let the folks know where they can find us? 
Yeah. So you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Literally Club at Your Words Podcast. You can also find us on our website at yourwordspodcast.com. And you can email us questions, recommendations, or comments to yourwordspodcast at gmail.com. Alrighty. As always, Elizabeth, it's been a pleasure talking to you. You too. I want to thank all our listeners for joining us this week. It will help you'll stick with us in the year to come. Yeah. And as always, at the end of every episode is the point in which we tell you goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.